Hey, Dad. Hi, Jarrell. Hey, so I had a, an interesting scenario come up the other day. A guy came up to me and he said, hey, I don't know what to do about this because my pastor has just gotten so overweight and has let himself go, and I've, lose, I've lost so much respect for him. I literally have a hard time sitting and listening to him because I just, I'm afraid I'm going to become like him if I spend too much time with him. And ouch. I, I was like, yeah, ouch. one, ouch. But it got me thinking, First, well, first of all, uh, you know, like sin should disqualify us, like ongoing sin should disqualify us from ministry, I would think, except it's not that simple. But then there's also the thing that's not that simple is, first of all, I don't think, like I know this pastor he's complaining about, and it's not a gluttony issue, it's a, it's a, what he's putting into his body issue. You know, most of, uh, I've, I think most of weight gain is a hormonal thing based on what we're eating that's triggering our, our insulin and glucose and food. And so it's not as simple as he's just sitting there like pigging out, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's not a gluttony issue. I think it's an issue of what he's eating. And of course, we're not medical doctors, so uh, I don't know all the details of it. But from what I've read, you know, most weight gain is an issue of just is of what you're eating, not the quantities you're eating. Most. I well, mean, I can testify that age has a little to do yeah, with it. Age too, right? Okay. <laughs> it's harder to stay thin. So I, I want to address two questions because it got me thinking on a bigger topic. Is first of all. You know, the Bible says when a, Jesus says that when a student is fully trained, oh, yeah. he'll be just like his master. Now, I don't think that just by hanging out with your pastor who has bad eating habits, you're you're going to pick up bad eating habits. But there's an interesting point there because all of life is connected, and yeah. and so many times if you if uh, you know physical as, aspects reflect what's going on spiritually. Sometimes you know, and it's it's again it's it's complicated. Yeah. But I was I was thinking about that issue of like, how do you if you don't respect the whole aspect of someone's life, how do you learn from them um, in, in other areas? So you may not like the way they take care of themselves physically, but it doesn't necessarily mean you can't learn from them spiritually. Yeah. But then there is the element of when a student is fully trained, he just becomes like his master. And then there's the other element of if you do have a pastor who it is clear it's a gluttony issue, say, or any sin, like yeah. whatever it is, anger, pride, um. When do they become disqualified from ministry? Good question. So let's hear it. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to give me the no, answer. I, oh. I've been wrestling with it in my head because, I mean, I know for me, like, I got anger issues, man. And I get up on Sundays and I talk and I'm like, if people saw, you know, how I yelled at some someone during the week, they'd be like, why am I listening to this guy? Yeah. So there's this element of every pastor has some pretty deep flaws because we're deeply flawed sure. human beings and we're trying to conquer those things but at what point does it become you're disqualified from ministry yeah um so let's first talk about i think first talk about the the becoming like the people you hang around with issue and you know how do you get mentored by a pastor that you don't respect everything about him yeah well i kind of think about that with a uh, the idea of a um a coach you know and that a coach he may he may be have all kinds of uh anger issues he may have all kinds of problems but if he if he knows the sport, if he knows he can still observe what you're doing and mm-hmm. still coach you to be a better golfer or a better tennis player, or whatever. He just says, "Don't do as I say, not as I do." Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so he may really know his stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, it's, how many times have you seen? You know, maybe somebody really knows all the answers because they've done the study, they've done the research. They may not have the street credibility because they're just not living what they know to do. But they do know the right answers. Right. I mean, some of the best counselors, marriage counselors That's I know I are, are divorced. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't mean divorce makes you a better marriage counselor, 
But you, if you know your stuff and if you have the gifting and the talent, it's kind of like, I kind of think of uh, the passage where it says the gifts and call of God are without repentance. Mm-hmm. And so if Rome, God Romans, is, right? Uh, I think it's in Romans. It's in the Bible yeah. there. It's between Genesis and, and Appendix. All right. I'm looking it up. Hang on. <laughs> Look at me. Romans 11.29. Yep. Ooh, For the wow. gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Yeah, which means that you find a guy, if a God has put a call, a pastoral call, for example, on someone. Or a teacher. Or, yeah, yeah, or whatever. They may they may not be operating in that, but they're still going to have that gifting. Or they may have rejected it totally, but that's still going to be a gifting that mm-hmm. resides within them because the gifts and the call is going to be a call that's in there too. You can reject it totally, but you're still going to have that empathy that whatever would designate a, a, a pastor, whatever would designate a teacher, you're still going to have that gift and that calling in your life. And so, yeah, you may be a terrible marriage partner and yet you could counsel other people who are, um, who are going through struggles because you know, the, you know, the answers, you just aren't applying them in your own life. So I think as far as too the next thing you're talking about with the credibility, um, hey, hang on, I want to address that real quick though. Okay. Cause I was just thinking about it a little bit too, is th- like this guy I was talking to, I just thought about this as you were talking, it's kind of an arrogant attitude I mean, I get it. Yeah. Like, it is kind of an arrogant attitude to say, "Well, I don't feel like I can learn from him because he's not physically fit as I am." Yeah, like d- that. That means you can't learn spiritually from him. That is it. There's an element of humility. Says, "Yeah, that guy may not have it together in that corner, but over here, he's definitely onto some things." Yeah. But to write someone off wholesale because you you know you don't like the way they're eating or taking care of themselves or whatever it is, that's maybe a sign of a little bit of a superiority on your behalf. I just started, I just realized that as I was thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the other thing is we live in a, a society that has, uh, you know, very health conscious, very physique conscious. You know I mean? We're kind of moving away from that now. You know, you're starting to see chunky girls. And I think, I think it's actually swinging back the other way now. I think people are finally starting to, I'm seeing people starting to address the fact that this body image acceptance thing we've started to do yeah. is not actually good for our health. I think COVID revealed that, but yeah, that's uh, what I see. We, yeah. we are sort of, sort of swinging back the other direction, which is the pendulum, right? Yeah. I mean, like in the middle ages, if you're, you know, overweight, a little chunky. again, we're focusing on overweight. There's all sorts of other things we could focus on, but yeah, yeah it's like, Oh, that's a sick sign. This guy's been successful a success. yeah. because food was so rare. Yeah. It's you, in Latin America where they come to you and they're like, Hey, Gordo, gordo. you've gotten Gordo. And you're like, uh, that's a compliment. It's a compliment. Yeah. That's in Louisiana too, by the yeah, way. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Cause it, it's an indication that you had enough food, you know? Yeah. So some of that is just, could be maybe just cultural norms. We're looking at that and going, Oh, well that's clearly not, you know, yeah. Uh, what, what, what you want for our lives. Yeah. And, you know, then you decide what is gluttony. You know, I mean, you you see skinny people that eat more than fat people, you know? Yeah. Which is again, where I'm convinced it's an insulin thing. But the bottom line is I thought as you were pointing that out, I thought, you know, how arrogant of someone to say, well, I I don't, I can't listen to that guy over there because something I value, he's not living up to. Yeah. That you would really be missing out on a lot of great things because everybody's got different values. Yeah. And yeah. Well, I just think of, you know, GK Chesterton, He's sort of a, he was sort of a porky guy. Brilliant, you know? brilliant human being. But tremendous yeah. insights. Just incredibly brilliant. You know? yeah. Yeah, all right, so. all right. Now, move, moving on to, to the next question, uh-huh. which was? When does, <laughs> when does sin disqualify you from ministry? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Because, um, I mean, we've seen a lot of, of uh, big shots fall over the last few years. Yeah. And then and, and all the stuff coming out about Ravi Zacharias after he died. Yeah. And you go, 
man, and people are, the, the sad thing is people are removing his content from bookshelves yeah. and you go, it doesn't discount the truth of what he said. No, it doesn't at all. Um, and that's, that is a sad part. Um, to answer that question, when does it disqualify you for ministry? I think you have, first of all, go back to well, what qualifies a person in the first place for ministry. Yeah. Because if it's a sinless life, well, then we're pretty much all disqualified. Okay, so how much sin is acceptable for you to be qualified? Well, and qualification for ministry has nothing to do with who we are. It has to do with what God's called us to do. Mm-hmm. And I think of uh, you know Jonah, for example, perfect example of a very disobedient guy. And God didn't say, well, you're disobedient. You're in sin. I'm going to go find somebody else. He's, he chased Jonah he down. He just made his life miserable until yeah. he did what he wanted. I, I have ways of making you obey. <laughs> you know? so, okay, so but where does 1 Timothy 3 come in? So therefore an overseer, man of God, as some yeah. translated, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, uh, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. And if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the God for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become yeah. puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Like, there's this whole laundry list oh, of yeah. things he has to be. And he said, if he's not that, he's not qualified. I mean, literally, that's the heading the English Standard Version puts qualifications for overseers. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's a, that's a, uh, that's a, cause I kind of thought that same thing, you know, you've got sort of this, sort of the old Testament God used sort of the worst and the, I mean, you got David who's guilty of all these things. You've got, uh, Moses who resisted God and finally he just, God got angry with him cause he resisted so much, but God still used him. Yeah. And so you've got that. And then you've got kind of the ideal of the new Testament as well, where, um, I guess if you're picking someone to lead, you can do that. But when God picks them. What are you going to do? Now, that's an interesting distinction. Uh, God doesn't seem to be too worried about those things because he yeah. picked really. I mean, look at yeah, Samson. Exactly. Samson was none of those. Yeah, exactly. violent, yeah. drunkard, quarrelsome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If if there, you you make a rule, Samson thought that was a goal. Yeah, to break it, that's you know? right. Yeah, and so he's like one of the worst of the worst. But many of them were old. You know, David didn't have his family under control. I mean, Absalom rebelled. David could not have been an elder or a deacon mm-hmm. in a in a new Testament church, you know? Um, so it's, it's, I don't know. <laughs> it's a, well, wh- well, why is that in there? Well, is that th- Paul's idealism. I think maybe it's kind of an ideal. I, I mean, and you will probably find some people that meet up to those standards. Those are all great standards. For well, a I mean, leader. yeah, I mean, you obviously need some standards, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's, so that's a tricky one too, because it's like, well, where, where is, um, you know, if it's an ongoing thing and you address it, obviously they need to be yeah. removed. But well, if let's you see flashes one, of it, right? Let's take the ones with the, your family under control. Okay, so a guy's a deacon, he's a deacon, he's a deacon, he's doing a great job. He's leading the church, he's an elder, he's whatever term you want to use for that. And then his kid eats 18, turns 18 and goes wacko. Mm. I mean, Franklin Graham went wacko for a period of time. That's right. He has a book about how he went you know, wacko, yeah. I, Billy, Billy Graham's son. So Billy should have stepped down from ministry and stopped preaching for 20 years or whatever. I mean, I don't know how many years it was until Franklin comes back to the Lord. I mean, it's, what do you do? Because at some point in time, many times, kids go through that period of time where your household's no longer under control, you need to step down. I don't know. You know I just don't know. I think, I think those are, I don't want to just say they're idealistic because then you can just throw them all aside and everything in Scripture is just idealistic. Well, it's just idealistic that we don't live in immorality. It's just idealistic. And we're not going there. But I think on the one hand, you have to 
well, like with our mission, for example, mm-hmm. I tell our people when we're when we're somebody's applied to our mission, our primary call, our primary responsibility is to determine: Are they called to God to do this? Mm-hmm. If they're called to God to do it, I want to be behind them and help them go, whether they have full funding or whether everything on, in the field works out or whether it's a place that they're going that it looks like what they're doing is uh, potentially successful. You know, if they're if they're feel like they're called to do something, it looks like it doesn't have the what the snowball's chance in hell of making it. Right. But they feel like God's called and and you sense that wow, there is something in here. Man, let's be a part of that and see what happens. You know, the snowball may melt, but it may also <laughs> extinguish the fire when it does melt. Who knows? So what I, what I'm hearing you say, and again, I didn't come into this with an agenda. It's just a question <laughs> I've had. What I'm hearing you say on the first Timothy three thing is you're saying First of all, we got to establish, do they have a call to this? And then second of all, we need to say, and now here's what you should aspire to as that overseer. This isn't a checklist for deciding whether they have a call. This is no. a checklist for saying, hey, when you see you have this call, there's a higher standard you have to live by. Yeah. and Which is interesting because I see a lot of people say, well, this is how we choose if our deacons are ready. And you're like, are you serious? Every one of your deacons fits all of that? Because the deacon <laughs> things even go crazy. Must be dignified not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy yeah. or dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of faith with a clear conscience and let them be tested first and let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. They're like, like, and then their wives too. Like, yeah. So well, notice the deacons can be addicted to wine, just not much wine. <laughs> right. I not addicted over, to much wine. An overseer, I think, can't have wine, but the deacon can have a little bit, just not much. Yeah, that's some re- that's the reason some people never do ascend to anything beyond deacon. I can't. <laughs> so... But that's an interesting thing because I hear a lot of people say, well, we, we, we run our deacons and our leaders yeah. through this test. but uh, and, and then they write people off because of that. But then it's, uh, I, yeah, I guess that could lead to a lot of self-righteousness, which is interesting. Is something they blame. They, would, they say uh, they shouldn't be a recent convert or they may become puffed up with conceit. That's really yeah. interesting because you could easily become puffed up with conceit if you're thinking, all these people have to meet these standards. When you're already in, right? You're already in the gate. You're the guy yeah. picking those people, and you're not living up to those standards yourself. This feels very mushy to me. It concerns me, actually. The black and white side <laughs> of me. Concerns um, you that this is very mushy? This is very mushy because yeah. it would be nice to say, here's the standards for you to get in and be a leader. It would be. But it's just not that clear cut. Well, and again, like. most of them, I mean, you know, if you appoint a guy as a leader or something, all of a sudden you find he's drunk in the streets five days a week. But you know the interesting thing about it? That one, but is, we would remove is, him from leadership. But if he bursts out in anger four or five times, then he's just qualified to be a Baptist deacon. Oh, man. That's part of the requirement. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Or, run, I, or run Mars Hill Church, right? I'm just yeah. kidding. Well, hey, I, mean, I, love, I love Mark Driscoll. Just, I think he had a, 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 I think yeah. he had a bad, bad a, run there. AG pastor told me that the only successful strategy for church playing that the Assemblies of God have come up with is church splits. Church, yeah. So you get angry with the other people at church, you go out and start playing a yeah. church. So, but that one, there, there are these sins that we think are okay. Yeah, which is what it comes down to. Yeah. Which is really what it comes down to with my original question. Uh, is, is, you know, being morbidly obese, is that a sin? Like, and for some people say, that's absolutely a sin. It's not taking care of the temple of God. Is yeah. anger a sin? For some people say, no, it's part of, it's righteous anger, right? Yeah. I'm the man of God. And so it's, it's, we choose our sins, isn't it? Yeah, and, we and do. And, there's, and, and it's like, what sin are you willing to tolerate in another person? Yeah. And gossip's okay as long as you're doing it in a prayer meeting. Because <laughs> yes. it's not really gossip then. You are praying about them and their situation. Oh, and I man. need to know all the details so that I can pray 
on target. I'm not sure I like where this podcast is going, <laughs> but well, it probably it, won't be one of our big ones. <laughs> but it is a very uncomfortable thing because it there is. there is this idea that we have to hold a standard in the church. We want to hold a standard for who we uh, allow to invest in our lives. Yeah. Um, but it's really tricky because we are all flawed human beings, and at some point you have to kind of decide: is that a flaw I'm willing to tolerate to still learn from that person, to still be in communion community with those people in communion with those yeah. people. And it's, um, I don't know. I mean, it, you've got the standards here, but it, but obviously there's grace for that. So it's, it's, uh, where, where's the line? Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. And, and you know, um, I think the answer, like so many answers in the spiritual realm, I don't like it, but it's like the answers I always get from our CPA, Angie Newby, who's, uh, at our CPA here right. at the uh, mission office. Anytime I ask her a tax question, here's her answer. Well, it depends. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so much of it's intent, right? Uh, yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, it is. With the IRS, a lot of it's, the, what's the intent of that? But you know, it's a lot of that spiritually too. The answer a lot is, it depends. It mm-hmm. depends on your heart. You know, you can do something, you can do the right thing with the wrong attitude and it's the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Or you can do the wrong thing with the right attitude. I don't think it makes it the right thing, but you're in a whole lot better stance if you're doing this with the right heart. You're 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 trying to be a blessing. You're trying to help. You're trying to do what you feel like the Lord would have you to do, and you totally screw it up. Who hasn't done that? Well, I think only the person who's never tried to do anything uh, in the right heart. But it's, a lot of it has to do with that heart attitude. And again, like you mentioned, this guy here. Um, who's saying, I'm not sure I can pay attention to that fat pastor up there. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ah, maybe I need to check the little beam in my own eye here and see yeah. if my heart's right. Is maybe my it's your own right? self-righteousness thinking I'm better than that guy. Yeah. Maybe you just need to love that guy and maybe, you know, and, and not worry about the, the beam that's what the, the splinter that's in his eye yeah. until you get, make sure. And if I get all the beams out of my own eye, by then I think the world will have, uh, taking care of itself and I don't need to worry about somebody else. But first of all, look to my own self and take care of it. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave a review on your listening platform of your choice. For more from Joelle Malm, check out joelmalm.com and more from Rick, check out rickmalm.com.